from APM American Public Media. This is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Now what was I going to do here? On the podcast this week, the educational value of making stuff. My name is Zoe, and I was trying to build a little Z for my name, but it sort of came out as a little box, so then I just started to build a box. Zoe is nine. She's using construction paper, straws, and tape to build a 3D box that's almost half her size. She decided to make it a dice, so she'll put some dots on the side with a marker. After that, she says, she'll build a board game to go with the dice. It's really fun because you get to build really whatever you want, and it's really fun building stuff. Today, Zoe and a dozen other 4th through 6th graders are in an after-school program called Leonardo's Basement in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's a cavernous underground workshop. Shelves are crammed with crates of supplies, hardware, felt, spools of cables, switches, and wheels of all sizes. The kids mostly use work tables, and many of them use power tools. Gustav is building a bookshelf. Here would I mainly do projects involving plywood and things like that. I didn't think I'd have to put my full effort into measuring, but I did have to. Many educators say the best way to learn is by combining what you learn in school with real-world practice, and that making something yourself or with your peers is its own reward. We have a keyboard um, inside, a, a fan inside, and a, a screen. Screen, thank you. And a car seat, which is Aaron's idea. Well, I'll see. Drew and Aaron a cut a big seat. hole in a 55-gallon plastic drum. They string it with Christmas lights, and they call it a time machine. So you go inside of the barrel and sit on the foam car seat. And then the other person who's outside, they would type in here and then they would see it on the screen. The boys want to travel to April 10th, 1912 when the Titanic first set sail. We, I don't think it, I don't think the time machine will work, but I think it looks cool. We'd probably pr- kind of pretend. Yeah, if we pretend it will work, that's kind of fun. A new book says so making stuff is the best way to help students learn science and math. The book is called Invent to Learn. It says that research into how people learn shows that hands-on projects teach deeper, more lasting lessons than almost anything else. Our guest on the podcast this week is the co-author of the new book, Invent to Learn. Silvio Martinez is a longtime educator with a background in engineering. She helped invent the global positioning system, GPS, that stuff that's in our cars and smartphones. Martinez designed and built video games, and for a long time she led Generation Yes, a nonprofit that helps educators use technology in the classroom. Welcome, Sylvia Martinez. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. May I assume that you were one of those kids for whom science and math came fairly easily? Um, Yes, that's true. And that's part of the reason I became an electrical engineer. So if the old-fashioned classroom, if it worked for you, why does it not work for most other kids? Or or when did it stop working? Well, I think, I think both of those are true. I think school has narrowed its focus, especially in the last 20 years. The emphasis on standardized testing has really changed what's happening in many classrooms. And the classrooms that I attended as a child, were more hands-on, provided more engaging and authentic activities. I also learned a lot when I started studying about learning, and I went back to school and got a master's in education, I realized that my experience was not everyone's experience. People who are good at school are good at school, and society tells you that therefore you're smart. But 
when I started working with engineers, when I started working with game designers, a lot of them came to the work of creating these games and, so and software with very different talents than mine. And many of them had been told by school that they weren't smart, that they were bad at math, where in reality, they were extremely creative, extremely inventive. And I had to rethink what I knew, what I thought I knew about learning and realize that it's a very personal process that happens in your head. You can't deliver learning to kids. They construct it in their own heads, in their own way. And providing creative materials for them to work with cements that kind of learning. What is it about doing that seems to connect with kids and, and get information across better than reading something? What is it about the doing itself? Well, I think the, the doing gives you the experience to build your learning on top of something real. Piaget, who was one of the foremost educational theorists of, of our time, said that knowledge is a consequence of experience. All kinds of educators have known this. Montessori, Dewey, modern educators know that children learn when they have experiences that they can tap into, and then the information makes sense for them. If you give kids lots of information, it, it, they just don't have anything to hook it to. Is there a particular age when the benefits of doing are reinforced and are, are more pronounced and, and perhaps later in life, uh, learning through reading becomes more effective? Well, I think learning through reading is, is always an effective component of what we expect kids to, to know and do and how they learn. At all ages, doing things really reinforces learning in more traditional ways. You know, in young kids, we, we completely get it. When kids are playing, we say, oh, look how much they're learning. And in kindergarten, we let kids play and we let them experience the world. And they're having engineering experiences because, you know, engineering is a concrete way to learn about your world and to predict your world and invent your own world and explain your world by making meaning of your world. And yet, as kids get older, we lose our ability to connect. You know, we say, oh, they're just playing when really they're, they're still learning. And in school, when we create experiences for students that are more playful, more open-ended, give them the ability to tinker and think through their, their own ideas, we're really reinforcing the other kinds of lessons we want to teach. So we shouldn't do things all one way or all the other, but all of these things reinforce and give kids of different abilities, give kids with different learning styles, give them opportunities to learn any subject in any way. You say that new inventions like three-dimensional printing should and, in fact, will be game changers in the classroom. Can you explain what you're looking forward to in that? So in our book, we, we identified three of these really cutting-edge technologies as something that teachers should be paying attention to. 3D printing or fabrication is one. Physical computing, meaning robotics and wearable computing, soft circuits is a second. And then programming is the third. The thing in common that these have is computing. So the computer adds a dimension to making that really elevates it above craft or, you know, just messing around. The computer allows for a design cycle that reinforces young people's ability to break problems down, to solve problems in new ways, 
and to carry those skills into into every area of their lives. You mentioned uh, earlier the sort of increase in standardized testing in the schools and the impact that's had on classroom practice. There's no test for tinkering, or or is there? How could you go about measuring the value of making things? Well, I think the value of making things are the things themselves. You're correct. You don't need a test to tell you if you know, you've created a circuit and the, the lights are, are, are on. The lights are either on or they're off. The materials and the thing you're working on tells you whether you've succeeded or not. And these materials that I'm talking about, these really new and transformative materials and tools, have a huge capacity to be used in lots of different ways. Um, you, you're right. I mean, you don't need to have a test to know if, say, the bridge I built is working. You can see if the bridge is standing or not. When you build something, it provides its own feedback. At the beginning of the podcast, we heard uh, some sound, some tape from an after-school engineering program that's called Leonardo's Basement. And it starts with Legos and then goes on to offer welding and robotics to older kids. How could we replicate this in the public schools, this kind of activity in the public schools, if so many of the incentives currently are driving teachers to teach to a test? Well, I, I think those experiences are incredible, and I'm, I'm so proud of being part of a movement to bring these kinds of experiences to children and to all children. So, you know, one of the purposes of public school is to democratize experience, that if rich parents think that taking their kids to an after-school program or a museum program or summer camp is valuable, then those kinds of experience should be made available to all kids. And a lot of you know, poor kids, they they have a poverty of experience, too. They don't see as many things. They don't do as many things. They don't get to play with as many things as children in different economic uh, status. And I think the, pu- the public school's job is to make sure that all kids have access to expertise, access to experiences across the board. These after-school programs are great. But by bringing them into normal classes, we can also modernize the science and math we teach. These tests are kind of holding math and science hostage to whatever happens to be on the test. But in the real world, math and science are, pro- are progressing at an enormous pace, and almost all of it is computerized. That has to be reflected in, in what we teach kids. And at the same time, the computer makes it very easy to teach kids those things. So I think it's a win-win situation to bring these new materials and computers into the classroom. Is learning by doing particularly successful in science and mathematics and engineering, those things we've been talking about mostly so far? Or is is it clear to you that uh, it's also effective in students learning languages or literature or history? Well, I think there's opportunities in all kinds of different classes. You know, anytime you can make an experience more authentic, more realistic for students, and use the tools that real historians use, that real musicians use, that real writers use, and of course, that real scientists and real mathematicians use, anytime you can bring those tools into the classroom, we're bringing the real world to students. We're showing them that they're, what they're learning is relevant. We're showing them that real people are using these tools to solve real problems and that they can be part of that movement. Silvio Martinez, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Silvio Martinez is co-author with Gary Steger of a new book called Invent to Learn. 
You can find more podcasts about the science of learning and a range of issues in K-12 education and higher education at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, browse our archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. You can like us on Facebook at American.RadioWorks and follow us on Twitter at AM RadioWorks. Support for American RadioWorks comes from the Spencer Foundation, Lumina Foundation, and the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.